I spent a day binging an entire season of a show. Is the show your cool thing this week? No. It was a pretty cool show. but <laughs> Cool show, not a cool thing. Not a cool thing. I don't know. It's a tough one. It's um, Have you seen Yellow Jackets? No. I thought it was only one season, but turns out it isn't. <laughs> I'm like, the last 10 minutes are approaching. I'm like, they got a lot of explaining to do in this last 10 <laughs> minutes. <man."> uh-huh. <laughs> Well, welcome to episode 432 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Marshall Bach. Welcome back for another episode. It's been a couple weeks, but we're back. We're back. Yes. Thank you all for the, the time off. I was enjoying family time last week and every, <laughs> basically every night it was like, can you record tonight? Nah, I'm out to dinner. Can you record tonight? Nah, sorry. Family dinner. Can you record tonight? Nah, sorry. Family thing. Just like, all right, we should just skip this week. It's not worth. You make me sound really like clingy and stalky. You're so needy, Marshall. You are <laughs> just constantly pestering me, asking <laughs> yeah. to record a podcast. Will you get over yourself? Yeah. But it's good to be back. Uh, we got a lot to get into this week. We're going to have a good episode. Maybe we kick off by uh, getting through this deep list of very important pixels. Sweet. Huge shout outs to everybody who is coming to the fold. We have two weeks of VIPs to shout out. Very important pixels. Thank you to Steve, Yelta Beekirk, Oliver Stahl, Kevin Huang, Yan Wu, Parker Henderson, Sam Xia, James Morgan, Hoyen, Bradley Sador, Zachary Johnson, Damian Shan, Prana Pradeep, June, Amy Chen, Holden Tuffield, Casey and Emily Chen. Welcome to the fam, everybody. Hey, welcome, everybody. If you didn't know, we're a listener-supported podcast. Every week, people from around the world gather at patreon.com slash design details, where they give us a dollar every single month. Just a buck a month? Just a dollar a month. And in return, they get access to bonus episodes. Every week, we call that the sidebar. Sidebar, sidebar. Sidebar is an extra listener question, extra design topic, just double content every single week. This week, we're doing our recap of the Apple event, but we're talking about the design of all the things, specifically the design of the Mac Studio and the new studio display. So if you want to hear our design recap of the Apple event from last week, be sure to go to patreon.com slash design details, sign up just a buck a month and uh, get access to this week's sidebar, all backlogged sidebars and future sidebars going forward. It's just a buck a month. All righty. A little bit of follow up, Marshall. All right. Follow up. So this is like follow up on some follow up. Yeah. Brian. Yeah. Double, double stacked follow up. <laughs> yeah. So a couple episodes, we gave some advice on how to manage key screens uh, over time. And one of the things we mentioned was wouldn't it be nice if there was a bulk detach plugin or something? And we had a listener write in and say, hey, actually, there is one and it's built into the app. It's called Detach All Nested Instances. So on top of that, we got a GitHub issue replying saying, hey, lovely people. This is from Nacho's Design. Hey, lovely people. In the latest episode, you talked about the bulk detach functionality in Figma. This is super fast, but I've run into issues before since it only detaches components and not styles. So if the styles later change, any old designs run the risk of being updated. I've used a plugin called Seek and Destroy, awesome name, uh, I'll link in the show notes, that will detach all components and styles of a selection. This truly freezes designs in time. Highly recommended. Yeah. Great recommendation. Perfect. All right. Thanks, Nacho. All right. We also had a little bit of follow-up from last week. Last week, we talked about transitioning from industrial to digital design. 
And we got a little bit of follow-up from Damon Ahola, who posted on GitHub, Last week's episode was very relevant to me, as I previously had a career as an industrial designer for 10 years, but I'm now a digital product designer at Lyft. I've been wanting to write a Medium article, but just haven't gotten around to it yet. To be honest, I found the transition from industrial to digital challenging. There's some general design knowledge that can translate, but it's really quite a different way of thinking and producing. Here are a few things that help me level up my digital design chops. Here we have a list of five things. Number one, grad school. Not required, but even a two-week boot camp course would be valuable. Two, find a mentor or seasoned digital designer you can get honest feedback from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Three, get inspiration from other portfolios. Four, read all of the UX books and articles you can. Five, you mentioned this, but they just really need to produce a ton of work. Hope this helps. Damon. Yeah, thanks for the list. I would be curious, Damon, if you're hearing this, what are the books slash articles slash portfolios where you found inspiration or useful advice? I find a lot of people asking, what design book should I read? And I never have a good answer because I haven't read that many design books. So yeah, we have. it was actually cool. This GitHub thread, a couple other people jumped in or maybe one other person jumped in, Augustine Mendoza. And so there's a little bit of a, some chatter here. So if other people want, we'll have a link in the show notes to this thread. So thanks for the follow-up. Okay, today's main topic is also kind of a follow-up. <laughs> Two weeks ago, we started digging into a question that was came to us on GitHub from Manny who asked, speaking of being a team lead or manager, what do you think are the core skills a manager should have? Also, when do you know you're ready to be a team lead or manager? Do you have to be a great IC to be a manager? I personally don't think so. They're very different roles and require different skills. Anyways, that was episode 430, and we spent a few minutes on it, but I don't think we went that deep. So we promised a little bit of follow-up, and uh, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk a little bit more about the qualities of good managers, and I have some prompts for us, Marshall. And then uh, I went to the Twitters as well and got some tweets from folks. Yeah. Kind of twisting the the original prompt on Twitter, I asked, what's the most memorable thing a manager has done for you, positive or negative? And we got a few replies. So let's get to that in a minute. But Marshall, let's let's just start. Yeah. Um, well, last time uh, we talked a little bit about being a shit umbrella and protecting uh, your direct reports from the chaos outside of the team or even within the team, just you know, making sure that they don't have any extra stress that would make their job difficult. But then we also talked about as they grow in their role, slowly opening up and showing them some of that shit, letting the, that some of that shit rain on them a little uh-huh. bit just so they can understand. Yeah, a tasteful amount of shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Premeditated amount of shit. Yeah. And then we talked a little bit about whether a manager should be a designer or not. If they're an IC, it certainly helps with street cred. And I think we might have left off with me saying, I would prefer a good people manager over a pixel expert. And uh-huh. you said you would prefer a pixel expert. Yeah. It's funny now, like two weeks later, I, I am still struggling with that question because I'm not sure I even agree with myself from two weeks ago. It feels like you want both ideally. Yeah. And I'm not sure I agree with myself from two weeks ago either. Yeah. So Okay. Well, let's, let's talk, let's talk it through, right? Like, well, as always, Brian, I think it depends, right? Like I think it depends on the needs of the team. What, what is the team producing? Does the team work together already? Is the culture good already? Is the, is the process already set out really well? If that's the case, then you can probably get away with an IC person and they'll be better situated to like make a good looking product or, or help push that aspect forward. 
But if the team is in disarray and people are not getting along and the culture is bad, like you definitely want a people person there. So I don't know. Depends on what the team needs, Brian. It depends. TM. Yeah, I feel like I'm being even more selfish and not even worrying about the team. I'm more just thinking specifically me. Like, what's the kind of manager that I like to work with? And the answer still comes back around to it depends. But I think for me personally, it depends on what I'm trying to accomplish in any given month. Like, if I'm deep designing something and I need help on the design of the thing like having a manager who's been in the trenches and shipped work and understands the complexity of that process of designing something and finding time in a week to hit flow state like having a manager who understands that and can create that time for you is super valuable but then there's other times where like that that experience in the craft isn't relevant. I think like one one interesting thing I'm I'm working on right now is we're hiring a bunch of designers at GitHub and I have a manager who is I actually my manager is also a, a craftsperson so uh that helps but my manager is actually also doing a lot of work to unblock hiring which I don't think requires as much like specifically thinking about the hiring process and helping triage inbound applications and setting up interviews and helping me backfill design needs on my team. Like there's all these other non craft related things. I'm just super happy to have a good people manager who understands, you know, like this is my not primary job, but secondary job and can unblock that. So I don't know, maybe Maybe everyone needs two managers, like a career <laughs> people manager. And then, I don't know, maybe the craft manager is more just like a mentor, but dedicated, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, one of the nice things about a craft manager is they can fight for your designs when you're not there to fight for them. They understand what's good about it and why it should stay that way and not change. That's a great point. Yeah, because a lot of the time, well, maybe then it comes back to like the size of company and stage of career, right? Like I'm not actually sure how often my manager is in a position where they would have to advocate for mocks that I've made where I'm not also there. But I think earlier, like certainly when I was at Facebook, that happened quite a lot. And so at that point, it would was very helpful to have a crafts person as a manager. But nowadays, I don't need that as much. So yeah, I don't know. We're just circling around that it depends. I still think there's just something about the street cred that is really important here. Being able to talk walk and in some cases unblock do you like that yeah that was good did you just come up with that uh-huh also it's just fun right like my manager at github works on side projects and writes code and, and builds creative websites and projects and you know sometimes our one-on-ones are just shooting the shit and talking about stuff we're building on the side and that's really fun for me it tickles my brain and makes me feel like that kind of creative exploration outside of work is appropriate and encouraged and supported. And I'm not sure if I had a manager who didn't understand the appeal of side projects and the joy of building stuff outside of work. Maybe that might be a less fulfilling relationship or perhaps even a slightly more tense relationship if that person doesn't understand why I'm doing work outside of work, you know? This is interesting. How do you treat those one-on-ones with your manager? Are those always like business? Is it just talking about the projects you're working on? Is it talking about your career stuff? Is it just shooting the shit? Combination? It's a combo. I don't know. I, I've heard so much advice about how to have productive one-on-ones. A lot of people say, you know, that should be 
a time to be vulnerable and, and talk about the uncomfortable, hard subjects. If it's a status update, you're doing it wrong. I think I can understand that point of view. I would say, I don't know, maybe half and half. Like, I actually don't mind walking through a little bit of a status update. I guess that could also be done over email. But there's something nice about, I don't know, talking to a human, being like, here's what I'm working on, here's the problems I'm thinking about. And, you know, sometimes we get pulled off into the weeds to talk about a specific thing. And then other times, yeah, I would say it's more, not an opportunity to vent, but maybe just be a little bit more vulnerable about what I'm frustrated with, what I'm tired about, what I'm dealing with outside of work, you know, extracurricular stuff or travel or family issues or or whatever it might be, right? Like having a little bit of space to open up about that so that my manager understands what's happening in my personal life. So I don't know, maybe a mix for me. How about you? Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like the status update should be happening in meetings that already exist. Like I'm a, I'm a big proponent of something more like the first thing you said of like one-on-ones with your manager should be about you, you know, it should be about your career and the things that you're facing. Maybe that includes some of the project stuff that you're working on, but it shouldn't just be a, an update on where the projects are. A good personal relationship with your manager benefits both of you because one, they'll be able to understand you better and understand how to manage you better. And if they're a halfway decent manager, they'll understand that each person needs to be managed a different way for that person. So having that relationship will help you as well because they'll be able to uh, give you information the way you need it, the way that you can absorb it so that you can grow. I don't know. Am I making any sense here? Yeah, you're making sense. I think one problem could be also that Every company maybe thinks about ratios slightly different. Like, I don't know if you heard stories of managers that have 20 reports and then some managers that have like two reports. And sometimes that's a function of seniority, but sometimes I'm like 20 reports. (laughs) Like, how are you building a meaningful relationship with 20 people like consistently week to week and, you know, understanding the nuance of your relationship with all those people and helping unblock them and helping answer questions and doing all your other work? Like, I don't know. I think if you end up in a situation where you have a manager who's spread too thin, that basically stops that relationship building from happening. And that then becomes like a function of how the organization even thinks about management. Like what's the role of a manager? Is it to present work and hire or is it to actually, you know, be a little bit more deeply involved with project level stuff and thinking about the quality of the product that ships? Because I don't know about you, I've, I've also heard stories of the opposite, right? Like where you have managers who almost are functionally design leads. Like they have reports, but they're also in charge of the quality of the thing that's being shipped. And I don't think I've actually, I don't know, maybe I have worked in, in that scenario, but I think I've almost always had managers who are not sort of product or team leads. They defer that responsibility to a product manager, basically. But there are companies where the design manager is like way more involved in product development. And I feel like that's a little bit of a tension where they might be overbearing or have too strong of an opinion about what the right solution is and like basically becomes dictatorial in what they think should be built and how a design should look versus helping their reports level up and make those decisions for themselves and you know live with the consequences and go through that loop on their own. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I've been lucky that I haven't had a manager with that many direct reports. And I've, when I was a manager, I didn't have that many direct reports. I think that would be a quick path towards insanity or, or at least being not as good of a manager as I wanted to be, you know? 
Well, uh, before we get into what y'all had to say, the tweets that we got on this subject, I had, had a couple bullet points here, maybe run through real quick. So uh, things that I think of when I think of a good manager. Uh, we've kind of talked about some of this stuff, like cares about your personal growth, cares about you as a person, and, and wants to understand the problems that you're dealing with. Quick to give credit and take blame. That's one that I've seen in action, yeah, and it's yeah. really cool, and it's hard to do. <laughs> But it is very good for team morale. And I think maybe this is one of the things you might have mentioned, but um, recognizing the strengths of each individual team member and utilizing them effectively and providing opportunities for them to, to stretch those skills and, and improve to grow. You know, one thing that that reminds me of, I feel like I've learned a lot about myself just from other people like managers pointing out things that they think I'm good at that I never thought I was good at. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, it's great to have somebody say, hey, I think you could do this better. But it's also interesting to hear a manager say, hey, you're pretty good at this. Or, or maybe not even what you're good at, but like helping you recognize the impact that you have through more invisible work. Because that stuff is not super intuitive to me as an individual contributor. I feel very much like my value is tied to the design artifacts that I create. But of course, that's not totally true, right? Like your place within an organization as a collaborator, as, I don't know, a, a person who's also been at a company for a while and, and has a bunch of knowledge, maybe you're a connector and you know how to introduce people. Maybe you're funny and you're just fun to be around. Like there's all these intangibles that aren't necessarily related to, to pixel pushing. Those are the things that I'm actually not good or well calibrated at understanding the, the value of that or the impact of that. And so I've appreciated a lot over the last maybe year or two, like people pointing out like, hey, did you know that you're pretty good at, I don't know, making decks or something? I'm like, I don't, I don't know, <laughs> I guess. Is that useful? And they're like, yeah, it's useful because other people can learn from how you make decks and make their decks better. And I'm like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Or even, even, I mean, slightly different, but like side projects and sometimes the way that a side project might actually lead somebody to want to work at GitHub. Like this has happened a time or two where somebody discovered a side project like staff design where I was interviewing designers who I looked up to. And other people discovered that and through roundabout ways ended up wanting to work at GitHub because I think partially is like, you know, my story of how I've navigated the career ladder at GitHub was was useful. Or perhaps even more subtly, people see the the types of side projects I work on and realize, oh, that GitHub is a place where you can do this and it's accepted and encouraged. And oh, like most designers at GitHub have side projects. That's interesting. That seems like a cool culture to be a part of. But unless someone points out to you why that's valuable for an organization, it can feel pretty invisible because it's at that point, it's so disconnected from the day-to-day -day pixel pushing. Anyway, speaking of uh, outside stuff, we, uh, we had posted this on Twitter. What's the most memorable thing a manager has done for or to you? It could be positive or negative. So here's some of the replies. Uh, Inieli Leon says, positive, showed me how to not apologize for having a family, children, and commitments outside of work before I even had my own. Very thankful to have had that kind of example. Yeah, so I'm talking about understanding the person as a person. Go figure. But also even just like being a role model of this is how you can take time off, right? Mm -hmm. Like have you ever had a manager who was on vacation and was like checking Slack? It's like, 
oh, there's so many subtle cues here. I'm not actually sure how to interpret this. Yeah, actually, recently I took some time off and my manager like replied to the automatic email that got sent to him like, oh, good. I'm glad you're taking some time off and like encouraged me to take some time off. Like, oh, oh that's nice. Yeah. yeah, it was nice. Okay. Martin on Twitter says, My best managers, quote, I think you can do better, end quote, without ever demanding more from me or others than they expect of themselves. Yeah. Pushing for growth. I I love that. I, I think you can do better, but I've also had managers ask me questions like, How could this be more fun? Because I'm not actually very my, my designs tend to be more utilitarian and functional and less yep. fun. Same. And so I, I actually enjoy those questions like, okay, yeah, like I think I think what you've designed will work, but could you make it more fun? <laughs> uh, sure, let me practice that. Uh, Martin continues, my worst managers did all the trust-killing things you can do. Favoritism, micromanagement, flip-flopping, ruinous empathy. I don't know what that means. Putting themselves above the team. What's ruinous empathy? I'm Googling is nice, but ultimately unhelpful or even damaging. It's what happens when you care about someone personally, but fail to challenge them directly. It's praise that isn't specific enough to help the person understand what was good or criticism that is sugar-coated and unclear. Holy shit. That is wow. a deep phrase. Okay. Ruinous empathy. It's a good couple of words right next to each other, huh? Yeah, T-I-L. Thank you, Martin. We also heard from Manny. A original question asker says, bad. Tells me everything I need to do without letting me figure it out myself. Micromanages everything. Good. The opposite of what the bad thing was. Gave me freedom, <laughs> trusted me to handle my projects alone, guided me along the way instead of telling me how or what to do exactly. It's almost like trust and autonomy are a common thing here. Yeah, weird. Go figure. We also heard from Paul Bunyar who says, My best design manager helped me hone my reasoning behind my design decisions. She trusted me in my work and pulled none of my options off the table when taking them to higher ups. She also chewed me out for doing nothing wrong when I was beating myself up. I think chewed me out is a, a strong framing there, maybe. Encouraged me to, to respect myself when I was <laughs> not actually doing anything wrong. Cool. Well, thank you, everyone, for the tweets. Hopefully, uh, there's something in here, a little nugget for, for management. Uh, cool things? Cool things. You want to go first? All right. This week, uh, I wanted to talk about an app I've discovered called Any Distance, which is an activity tracking app made by two people, just a designer and an engineer. And I think it's like a year old. It's fairly new, but I finally downloaded it. I've been seeing people tweet about it and share screenshots from it. And Marshall, it is really good. I th- it's one of those apps where even if you don't want to use it, I think you should download it and play with it just to study its design. It's not super complex, but there's a lot of really cool touches. I, I guess maybe you won't discover those touches until you go for your first few runs or track your first few activities. But one of the things that I like the most is basically you you go for a run, you go for a walk, you go skiing, it tracks it as an activity, and it's designed to help you share that activity in an interesting way. So you can put it on a frame, you can layer on different analytics, you can change the colors or backgrounds or adjust the fonts, like basically add some creativity to how you want to share a particular activity. And then on top of all of that, they even have ways to sort of overlay your activity in AR or with some sort of 3D graphic. So for example, last night I went for a run around the Twin Peaks area, which is just super steep. Like it was mostly uphill, it was brutal. And in my Any Distance recap, I can turn on this 3D visualization that shows me, this little dot, running along my path, but the path also includes my elevation gain and and decline. So it tells a very interesting story about my run 
in a way that a 2D top-down view of my run would not be able to communicate. So on top of that, it's visually really nice, tons of custom-drawn icons, and they have these beautiful fitness badges that are very, they'll feel familiar. They look kind of like the Apple activity badges. You know, they're, they're 3D, they kind of spin around, they have this sort of engraving style on the back with my initials, and it says when I earned a particular badge. But anyways, yeah, just a nice, thoughtfully crafted, ultimately fairly simple, or at least simple in the sense that it's it's putting a beautiful and, and understandable interface on top of what I'm sure is complex data. And I think designers should download it and play with it and, and learn from it. I've certainly been sharing screenshots with people on my team at, at GitHub being like, look at this, this is so pretty and cool. Like, why can't we take this little element and make our app feel this fun or, or visually interesting. So uh, I've definitely been inspired. Cool. Yeah, link in the show notes. It's called Any Distance. Cool thing, Brian. Uh, my cool thing this week is a Kickstarter. Brian, the largest Kickstarter in Kickstarter history. Uh-huh. You're aware of my fondness for the author Brandon Sanderson. I've mentioned him a couple times on the show before. And he surprised us all with one of those... Um, it was it was a fake out. I'm sorry, YouTube video where he was like, you know, like, oh my god, did he cheat on his wife or do something really bad? Like it looked like he was apologizing, but it turns out he was apologizing because he had spent his free time writing like four extra books or five, I think actually. But he's going to release those four novels over the course of the next year, 2023, uh, one every quarter. And they come in different packages. There's like a, you know, a book bundle, an audiobook bundle, an ebook bundle. There's like different ways that you can get it depending on how you read. I'm a listener, so I just got the audiobook bundle. I think it worked out to like 15 bucks a book, which is really cheap for audiobooks. I think they're 25 unless you have some sort of subscription. So I was stoked to see this. Four new novels that we didn't even know were coming. He's really good about keeping everyone up to date on his progress, but. He'd been keeping this stuff quiet for two years uh, during COVID. So really exciting to see that. And and like I said, it's the biggest Kickstarter. They broke like every record. I think they're over $20 million now. It's, it's $28 million. $28 million. Yeah. I insane. Mean, insane. That's so much money for books. Like who else does that? Who else has ever done that? That's so nuts. I mean, I'm sure he could have made millions of dollars on advances. These, Yeah, he wasn't paid in advance. He didn't tell his publisher that he was going to be writing these books. He wrote the first one for his wife. It was just a gift for his wife. And she said, you need to share this with people. And then COVID kept happening for another year and a half and he kept writing books. Super cool. Anyways, so that's my cool thing this week is the biggest Kickstarter ever, Brandon Sanderson. If you're not a fan, read Mistborn, read Stormlight Archive. Good shit. Good fantasy novel shit. All right. Well, cool thing. This has been episode 432. Hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you thought on Twitter. We're at Design Details FM. Thanks for all the, the tweets at us this week, talking about management, and as well for the issues on GitHub, giving us topics to talk about. If you want us to talk about another topic in the future, please open an issue on GitHub or send us a DM. We consider DMs anonymous, so feel free to do that. Otherwise, if you did enjoy the show and you want to support it and get access to some more content, Double Up this week, hearing us talking about the Apple event and the design of the new Mac Studio and Studio Display, be sure to head over to patreon.com slash design details. Sign up for the sidebar. It's just a buck a month. Just a buck a month. Sidebar, sidebar. sidebar and uh, <laughs> <laughs> patreon.com slash design details. Thank you. We'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye.